this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Nourish Your Health at Every Age. The choices we make every day can influence our health for the good or the bad. This podcast series will focus on how people of all ages may achieve optimal health and wellness. Our guest today is Dr. Kelly Cobb, a board-certified internal medicine physician and owner of Nourish Med Spa in Lafayette, Louisiana. Board eligible in geriatrics, Dr. Cobb is certified in age management medicine and has extensive experience in treating women's health issues. Her career in medicine has been driven by her interest in the complexities that influence mind, body, and health. A graduate of the LSU School of Medicine, Dr. Cobb holds degrees from the University of Texas in psychology, humanities, and communications. Dr. Cobb, Kelly, welcome to Nourish Your Health. Thank you, Jan. Yes, your background fascinates me. And I do want to say this is our first episode of Nourish Your Health at Every Age. And I honestly couldn't think of a better guest to have on because you not only bring health and wellness to people, but it's a holistic approach, which I think more and more people are understanding that that's the key to good health. So um, if you would tell us your background, I know you're from Lafayette. Can you tell us about your background? Absolutely. I grew up here and graduated from STM in about 1988. And um, back then, I was just a Cajun girl, mm-hmm. you know, eating, uh, having fried fish on Saturdays and hush puppies and homemade ice cream. So I grew up, you know, surrounded by all the great Cajun food and um, the joie de vie and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the culture that we we enjoy. Um, and, you know, during that time, I was exposed to, um, you know, illness in my own family. Um, so it definitely, I think, kind of triggered that initial um, interest mm-hmm. and uh, set off kind of that that um, discovery process of what what happens to people. You know, all of a sudden, um, my grandmother, you know, developed Alzheimer's. And oh, yeah. uh, so that was really, you know, hard to watch. And, um, and you know, other, you know, family members having other illnesses. But that one really stuck out to me and really started my quest to kind of understand um, how the mind and body are connected. Right. And your father was yes, a physician Yes, my dad was also. a physician. Yeah. Um, he was a... You know, kind of a pioneer um, of sorts in our area. I think he was an orthopedist and always tried to develop new techniques. He was very mm-hmm. open to new techniques. Um, my grandmother was a nurse, uh, okay. so she was an army nurse. Uh, she was from Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and so as around uh, all of her health and wisdom, she was very much involved in. Um, and I guess offering and teaching me a different way of medicine. She, we, had, we had a greenhouse. She was always telling me, oh, what seven vegetables did you eat today? You know, so oh, okay. it was a total different yeah. side um, to of the family. People. Right. Yeah. So you did you know you were going to go to to med school though majoring in psychology humanities and communications no yeah. I, I probably not um, you just took the uh, MCAT yeah I'm <laughs> you know I'm a lifelong learner I uh-huh. love I love school I love learning um, I was always very interested in science and found found it fascinating but I was very interested in writing and humanities and all mm-hmm. the things that influence a person's I guess development right. and identity and how they interface with the world um, so that was a big um, uh, passion um, as I was going through college, just exploring all of the different things that influence identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I studied philosophy and history and economics and all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, Austin was a fabulous place to learn. It was um, full of new ideas, and at least for me growing, growing up here. 
um, there was a lot of emphasis on healthy eating there, a lot of emphasis on alternative type of um, mm -hmm. treatments. Uh, so I was uh, very much turned on by what was going on there. I did a lot of neurology research, um, probably driven by my interest in, yeah. um, in neurological disease. So I did um, get exposed to um, how the brain w was very you know, involved mm -hmm. in, um, in the body's health. Right. So then you returned to Louisiana and went to school, LSU Medical School in New Orleans. Um, yes. What was that like? Oh, it was one of the best times of my life. Um, I really enjoyed um, the intersection of everything going on there at the time, mm -hmm. the music, the food, the science, um, the patients were fabulous. I learned so much from taking care of the, the people down there, and they were so generous with their, you know, sharing their illness and, and what was going right. on with them. So I think it was a little bit of a shock to my system at the time um, of how how ill, that was probably my real exposure to real serious illness, and how community is so important uh, to both the contribution and, and mm -hmm. the origin of the illness, but also the solution. Um, and how we can turn around health for people with the right uh, multidisciplinary approach. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not just the doctor that's important. Um, it's everyone in that person's environment to, that makes a difference. So as you were training, I, I remember the charity hospital system is that mm -hmm. that's how you learn Absolutely, right? that in yes. that day. I guess mm -hmm. it's still like that. We don't call it that. But you were really seeing people that didn't have much uh, in the way of resources and probably had very serious illnesses right, right. by the very, time they got um, there. We were definitely exposed to, you know, very ill people. And, um, you know, we had to um, integrate there where they were. You have to meet the patient where they are. Where mm. What is their understanding of their illness and what are they capable of uh, doing when they leave the hospital? Um, so it was definitely an eye-opener for me how much community matters uh, right. uh, to health. I know um, you've shared with me that you partner with your patients. And as I'm listening to your words, thinking about you as a younger physician in training, uh, did you know that you wanted to go into internal medicine? Did you feel a connection with that? Or has this been a, a journey for you? Yeah, I think uh, I, I like the idea of being a detective. And I think that's mm -hmm. why internal medicine um, always, um, you know, kind of stayed my passion. I'm interested in so many other things, but that to me is where I can maybe make the most impact. Um, you know, most of us have our own journey um, with wellness and with illness. And when I went to residency, um, that's when I started having my own health issues. And of course, running into kind of walls like, okay, well, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found, uh, you know, Dr. Lamb. He is a, a pioneer kind of in functional medicine, age management medicine. And that's when I started exploring, well, what's really going on behind the scenes? What's What are the root causes of, of what was going on. And that was um, my intro to kind of studying functional medicine. Every, you know, residency at Emory was very intense. It was very much about same, a continuation of the New Orleans experience, a lot of ill people. Um, we had two floors of HIV. We were dealing with very, very oh seriously gosh, that was when ill people. Was, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, there was a lot of public health influence there and mm -hmm. a lot of influence on um, trying to make a difference in their lives as well. Um, so that was kind of when I started exploring the functional medicine world mm -hmm. and looking beyond what, you know, what we were just learning uh, to be like, what else? There's got to be more mm -hmm. to the story. How do you define functional medicine? Could you explain what that is? 
I guess to me, it's just kind of root cause medicine. Um, if you think about allopathic medicine or, you know, the medicine that we're trained in, we're looking at uh, the end organ diseases, right? Mm-hmm. So we're studying diabetes, we're studying um, stroke, we're studying coronary artery diseases or end organ diseases. And a lot of times that's, especially in training when we're dealing with very ill people, that's what we're working on. We're working on let's reverse this illness, let's treat mm-hmm. these emergencies, let's get this person, um, you know, back on track. Um, functional medicine is more before you get to that in organ illness. What are the imbalances going on in a person's energy system, their mm-hmm. hormones, um, their nutrition, their psychological issues? Um, there's that's kind of I guess if you look you think of it as a tree, the leaves are going to be the end organ diagnosis. Mm-hmm. The imbalances are going to be kind of what's going on the in roots. the trunk, and then Literally, you've got the root, yeah. uh-huh. you know, which is also kind of the psychosocial influences. Right. Um, so, you know, I think. When I approach patients, I'm thinking about the whole picture. Obviously, I'm always thinking about what's the most serious thing. That's what I want to focus on first and get that addressed. But at the same time, um, and that's why to me the relationship is so important because when you get to know the person, you really get to understand how they're com- able to communicate what their you know, what their symptoms are. It's mm-hmm. very difficult for a person to walk into a room. They're meeting me for the first time, and they've got to just... Yeah, you know, bear all and be like, okay. So Open it does curtains, take a little yeah. while, yeah. Uh-huh. To um, you know, I call it metonymy. It's that gap between what the person's trying to say and, and language. You know, mm-hmm. that's a a very interesting part of medicine because I'm waiting for the patient to tell me what's what's wrong. Yeah. Um, all of medicine, especially functional medicine, internal medicine, is a lot about listening and a lot about learning about the patient um, and trying to get out of them what's mm-hmm. you know what's wrong. Right. Um, so it's kind of that detective work, and I think looking at it from and um, having a, as a partner and also thinking about all of the influences really opens up the conversation. Um, and I think it helps the patient really open up access to what's wrong with them, or there may be a better mm-hmm. vocabulary to help the, the doctor right. or the practitioner um, access you know, their inner world. Because mm-hmm. you can't do it for us. We can present to you, but you can't you can't make our choices. We we have to understand right, right. I, you know, I, our bodies I, and and yeah. what's what maybe some more positive right. choices that would lead to better health. Yeah, I enjoy educating people mm-hmm. um, about you know you what do they enjoy and how can we maybe modify what they're mm-hmm. doing. Um, I, obviously, if there's a danger situation, we're going to focus on that right away and get mm-hmm. that taken care of. Right. Um, but there's so many. Um, Especially in our community, I think we've really we're opening up to all of the other mm-hmm. um, healing modalities um, that are available to people. It's amazing to me um, over the course of my life to see the the changes in an understanding of we we can take control of our health. Not in all cases, but I mean in mm-hmm. many cases. And one of the things that motivated me to do this podcast was the experience I had in life uh, similar to you, where my parents were both uh, diabetic, and they experienced just horrific um, problems. My dad was a double amputee, but he lost both legs. Um, I don't know that it could have been prevented in the long haul, but I know he didn't make good choices to monitor his health. And by the time things went wrong, they really went wrong fast. And my mother had similar things with congestive heart failure and kidney failure. And to stand by and watch that, it just, it was frightening. And I know now... It was just choices they made throughout Definitely. their lives, you know, just everyday choices. Right, right. I, I think it's so important to, um, 
teach people as early as we can about the choices and about the options and about um, especially about nutrition and what that does um, both positive and negative uh, to uh, the organs. I spend a lot of time with my patients talking about gut health and uh, gut restoration and helping them understand about sugar and the mm-hmm. impact that sugar has. Yeah, um, and nobody on, wants to hear that. On our, of course <laughs> no. not. Of course not. So um, you know, we you know you got to follow the eighty twenty rule. Try to be good eighty mm-hmm. percent of the time. Um, but there's been so much. Um, improvement i think in the market in terms of what's available to people now that they're definitely opening up to mm-hmm. other options and i think with our community you know it's got to be a community effort because we're so social and i think as as people start uh, helping each other and mm-hmm. and um learning together then it becomes more fun and then it can become infectious and the whole community can benefit right do you have a, a typical patient that makes an appointment with you you know do you? Um, I know. I know a lot of women that come Absolutely. to your, your practice, but what, what's a typical? I would say patient? probably my number one complaint is probably fatigue. Oh, um, you know, people come in and that that's that's what they feel. You know, mm-hmm. it can mean a lot of different things to people, but um, that's one of the biggest biggest entry points. And so we start there, and we start kind of talking about all the different. Um, things that can cause fatigue, all the things that fatigue can mean, it can be very scary um, when you don't have a, a lot of medical background and you're, you don't really know what's going on, you mm-hmm. just don't feel well. Um, my, a lot of my patients, so I'm looking at them from, you know, I'd say most of them are probably start coming in around 35, 40. That's a lot of times when the hormones start changing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, you know, not able to um, jump back as fast as they can from an illness or Mm -hmm. from a stressful event or, you know, sometimes they just have a lot more pulls on them just in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, And so children, absolutely taking care of parents. And so a lot of things that you might've been able to have more time to recover from start, start piling up. Um, So that's where we, you know, we start, we talk about what's going on with the, the diet, what's going on, what can we do to repair the gut. We talk about hormone balancing. We talk about energy. So we talk about the influences of, of stress on the body. Stress is a big factor in terms of its impact on the gut and the hormones. There's a lot of um, infectious disease in our area that also um, can go unrecognized for a while. Um, and I think sometimes people... Um, just need to come in and start unraveling all of the mm-hmm. uh, pieces, and then we put a plan together um, that you know we work on together over time right. um, to get back to optimal health. Right. Do you think? I mean, I guess, I guess you can share this. Do you think that stress might be one of the the biggest causes that leads people to? Um, maybe make choices that aren't healthy like is it a is it a vicious cycle you know if you're if you're down because you don't feel good and then you want a quick pick me up you want to get ice cream or right the stress eating or sure, do something sure and then it's like a vicious cycle but do you do you find just from your experiences that stress is a absolutely a, i mean just i guess cause. one example we could talk of is you know a stress might lead to 
uh, poor eating, which can lead to becoming overweight, which might even lead to sleep apnea, which then could lead to high blood pressure and insulin resistance. And then we we're all of a sudden in this real, mm-hmm. real um, pre-illness picture that can have very serious consequences. Um, so, you know, helping the person kind of see how that, you know, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, I, I you know, I'm, I'm looking at getting on, you know, five medications, <laughs> one for cholesterol, one for oh diabetes, gosh. one for blood pressure, one for, you mm-hmm. know, depression. And all of a sudden, you know, they're leaving the office with five or six medications. They, you know, they, they don't feel empowered um, sometimes if that's, you know, all they're leaving with. Sometimes we definitely need those as a cast, mm-hmm. as a bridge to help the person turn things around. Um, but I try to also really empower the patient to be like, look, this is what we can do. You know, uh, let's take a step to, to try to lose, you know, five pounds or let's mm-hmm. just... Um, start eating breakfast. You know, let's let's go walking. Let's get outside. Um, let's I, let's kind of take a little inventory of what's going on mm-hmm. um, in our lives and see if we can set some boundaries or, you know, um, in terms of the stressors. So um, it's amazing to see people um, just light up with that information yeah. and just hope and and make mm-hmm. changes. And they come back in six weeks. I'm like, okay, just do this for me. Just go gluten free or mm-hmm. just do this. And they come back and they're like, wow, I can't believe the improvement, you know, in in my achy joints or in my brain function. And so then they're kind of you know locked in and they're like, okay, they they really want to make more of a commitment. And that's when we're really going to uh-huh. see a lot of progress. Right. I guess mm-hmm. if you give us too many things to do at once, it just doesn't happen right right like right. one step at it a time it didn't happen overnight <laughs> yeah right right so the communication part is where the functional medicine comes in definitely right. it's, it's really making sure that it you know we give a lot of information and um you've got to make sure that that it's received um, by the patient and that they are able to um, internalize that and 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 really work with that piece of information mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you're you know, practicing a musical instrument, you're not going to learn the whole thing perfectly your first right. time. You got to take it kind of piece by right. piece. So, Kelly, we're going to do some future podcasts and we'll get into more detail in some of these subjects. But I'd like to ask you a question about nutrition. I know you've told me that nutrition is really one of the most important things that we can focus on for optimal health. Um, there's so many diets, I'm using the little air quotes, you know, but there's so many diets you hear about and I don't believe in dieting per se but I'm talking about an eating plan Keto is all, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of fat. The paleo is, I guess, more. I would say mixed. my my belief is that you cannot generalize a diet um, to a group of people. Everyone's an individual, mm-hmm. and from my approach is I try to really understand, you know, what was going on genetically with the person, um, and how can we use food to reverse disease? How can we use food as a medicine? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm talking to my patients and customizing diets for them, I'm really thinking of it as medicine and how um, we can uh, maybe turn off insulin, how we can turn off inflammation. Um, the whole field of nutrigenetics is fascinating. And the future would be like, how do we turn on pathways um, to help this instead of blocking pathways, which is what we do now with medications. Mm-hmm. So I, I love all of the diets. I think there's benefits to all of them, but it depends on what we're treating mm-hmm. and what we're working on the patient with. <laughs> so I really try to customize them right. as much as I can. Um, right. But as a general rule, you know, I try to tell everyone to stay away from sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And we can talk more later about histamine and it's a very powerful impact uh, on oh, I love health. that. Yeah. Right. I've learned that myself having allergies in my late 20s. I, I really believe it was stress induced, but I was just 
so sick and learned about how the histamines are released in the body and right. it just wreaks havoc, you know, so you don't want to be taking medicine all the time to antihistamines but yeah yeah so um so sugar back to your comment on sugar with all the different diets out there all the different books it seems like the common thread though is just cut back on the sugar right it just causes inflammation and all kinds of other problems so definitely and we Um, you know we have lots of testing we can do for patients to really help um, customize it more in terms of what are their particular issues Mm -hmm. uh, their sensitivities their genetic tendencies Um, so there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in food uh, and medicine right now Mm -hmm. it's fun one comment you had made to me that I just laugh when I think about it is um, as younger people are coming up the longer we, you know, we're, we're away from the farm. I mean, we were all, we've never been on the farm. I don't know anybody that grew up on a farm, although they're out there. But our children are just more and more disconnected from sources of food and what is healthy food. And I know you tell me one child didn't know where meat, you know, right, came exactly. from. <laughs> the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right, it's section. true. But, um, you know, there's such an emphasis. It seems like more and more on um organic farming and organic foods and we had a um coley franson was in here talking about uh, his um, hydroponic farming fascinating but very fascinating but um how do you see that like i I know you do see some younger people Mm -hmm. do you kind of coach them on uh these choices you know and not just going to like little bars of you know energy bars right uh, it's, drinks it's and- a challenge for them. They're so they're very stressed, um, very busy um, mm-hmm. these days. The teenagers and um, so I think they I think there there is a lot of good information for them out there. But I know that you know, and they're rushed and they're busy and you know a lot of times they just get sandwiches at school and different things like that. So um, I think that if they're open minded to learning, I, I would love to um, you know be in a position to have like a curriculum Mm -hmm. or something like that for them so that they could learn more about it too. Um, I've worked with a lot of youngsters on, you know, just trying to put them on a low histamine diet for for acne and allergies and things like that with tremendous success. Um, And I think that if they can understand, um, I mean, they're a lot more resilient than we are Mm -hmm. at handling these types of toxicities, but um, sometimes just taking away uh, dairy or taking away gluten just for six weeks, just as an experiment, um, they Turns can see it a tremendous improvement. Yeah, and, oh, mental, and mental health is just so important. Um, mm-hmm. with, there's a big connection between food and mental health. And I think, you know, we'll talk later too in a later podcast about the connection between hormones and food and mental health um, mm-hmm. is a very, it starts right then, it starts in teenage years. And so really important to educate them about um, what's happening to them. And they don't, they don't understand, you know, why they might have this massive mood swing or this, you know, mm-hmm. especially young ladies, but um, we, we can, we can show it to them. We can show them a diagram. We can help them navigate that, you know, with their own choices with food. And mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard that I don't know what your education was like, but most doctors do not receive much training in nutrition. Isn't it like one and a half to three hours in your curriculum? Yeah, I remember Dr. Lopez uh, back in... 
in med school was like, this is the most important class you're going to take. I know, it was. And it was the very end, you know, f- the fourth year, I think it was one month, and, you know, everybody's already kind of yeah, burnt out. and um, out the door. Right, right. But I remember him saying that this is the most important class you're going to take in med school. And um, What did they teach you, though? Like, what kind of, what could you learn in that short period of time? Right. I, I mean, I think it was kind of just the basics mm-hmm. and, and going over, you know, the, the, four the basic, groups. basic <laughs> vocabulary and... Um, but no, nothing as intense as um, mm-hmm. as when I went to a food as medicine conference, which was fascinating. And I've done a lot of the IFM courses, which is all based on um, on understanding these connections. That's the functional medicine. Right, uh-huh. right. So right. you've had to really um, self-train and just continue exploring. Oh, yeah. Latest, yeah. Right? And there's so much. This has been a fascinating time um, the last 10, 15 years with all of the um, just explosion of information. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. If I asked you kind of what you wanted to cover, you know, there's so, there's so much to cover. I want to dive in on future yeah. shows where we can dig deep, you know, and talk about specific topics. But anything? Uh, um, you know, I, I guess I would just say that, you know, health is a journey mm-hmm. um, for everyone. And um, it's it's ever changing. I would say that you're, just because you get a diagnosis or just because you get a plan of action doesn't mean it's not going to change you know, in six weeks or a year. Um, so I think that um, if people can embrace, you know, the concept of health as, as part of their journey and part of their um, development, mm-hmm. that it can become a real positive experience. Right. You know, I, I think it should be seen as a positive, not a negative. I think people get afraid to go to the doctor. They're afraid of what we might find. Mm-hmm. They're, they're nervous. And so my approach has been to try to take that sterility out or that mm-hmm. um, and really help people feel comfortable, um, you know, sharing their their pain and sharing their stories and, and sharing their goals. Mm-hmm. Men and women. Absolutely. Right? Yes. I know a lot of men probably don't yes. go to the doctor as often as they should. Yeah, they're great patients. They're yeah. great patients. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, we're here with Jason Sikora at Raider Solutions. And uh, Jason, I know you've got a big interest in this topic. Certainly. Um, and I think this podcast moving forward is going to be amazing. Um, Dr. Cobb, thank you for being here. Um, your clinic is amazing. Um, you. You've been amazing. And Dr. Marcus and Dr. Meredith are awesome. Um, where can people get more information about your practice? Well, we have a website, um, www.narishmedspa.com. Can you spell that? Uh, N-O-U-R-I-C-H-E. Excellent. M-E-D-S-P-A. And we kind of created that Narish word um, to uh, just kind of spark that thought for people that, you know, um, medicine is about nourishing your body, your soul, mm-hmm. and your, and uh, so that's where that came from. Excellent. Um, I'm, I really would, yeah, love to do a uh, mental health yeah. um, episode. I think that's mm-hmm. super important, um, especially these days where life is so chaotic for so many people and whatever, kids, politics, just everything that's going on, <laughs> yeah. work. Um, I mean, life has sped up so much over the past 20, 30 years, so I think that's important. Um, So I have a couple side questions that don't really have to do with, um, like, nutrition or anything like that. So I have diffusers here throughout the office. I have diffusers at home. Essential oils, is there really something to that other than making it smell better in a room? I definitely think so. There's been some benefits, um, I mean, definitely medicinal benefits from different ones. Um, for especially for anxiety, um, actually for 
um, mold prevention. Oh, oh um, really? Yeah, there's there's some different blends that are very good for cleaning um, that are, you know, chemical-free. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that are, have chemical sensitivities and, and definitely can't handle um, chemicals, even deodorants. So essential oils can play a role there. They can play a role for skin care. Um, and, uh, and I would say immunity, you know, mm-hmm. but there's, there, it's a huge science. Excellent. Well, good. I'm going to continue using them. Um, wearables, like Fitbits and things like that. Um, first of all, like I, I look at mine every day for sleeping and, and the amount of steps I take. Are they accurate and are they worth the money? And are they worth anything medically to somebody like you? I think this is absolutely part of the future of what we're mm-hmm. talking about with this partnership between doctor and patient. All of the um, technology uh, is is pushing towards this integration so that we can, uh, I think even you'll be able to have a wrist and, and be able to do your own EKG right. um, mm-hmm. out in the field, which mm-hmm. is going to be so helpful. Um, I think already the information patients bring me about their steps, their calories, um, they're, they're even getting better and better. There's a, a different one the other day called Carb Manager that someone brought me that oh. has now even trumped the iFitnessPal. But I'm just happy that people are, are tracking and mm-hmm. that they're learning what works for them and what they're actually putting in their body. Because um, a lot of yeah. times we just like people come in and say, I'm doing everything right. Uh, you know, there's no possible way, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. And if we can dive down into what that d- data is instead of just a generalization, then we can really drive their plan and help them uh, get the feedback they need. So I'm, I think it's going to get bigger and bigger, more accurate. And like you said, the um, ones we've started out with now are pretty, I mean, they're okay, but I think they're definitely going to get better, mm-hmm. more accurate, and um, it'll be exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause there's some days like I, even yesterday it was like only 3,500 steps and I just walked the dogs. That's not accurate <laughs> at all. Not. And then other days it hits like 10,000 by three o'clock. I'm like, I, I don't, right, I don't right. even know if this is doing anything for right. me. But I have not studied the, the accuracy. I can't give you any um, scientific data on God, that. Yeah. But, but well, it's even, accurate. I've tested it. It reads. I, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm really thinking about it, I've t- counted my 2,000 steps per mile. I think it's Yeah, I, I, think, I, think, it's, it's I think it's pretty accurate. I yeah. think the sleeping is pretty accurate. And, and even just monitoring your heart rate. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they've got that down now at this point. Um, all right, finally, uh, I bought recently one of those um, uh, back brace strap things. Posture? <laughs> yeah, for posture. This is a technical yeah. podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Be, well, because I'm, I'm a sloucher. And so when I'm sitting at my desk and I, and I realize I'm slouching, I'll throw that on just to kind of pull me back up and make me realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my wife has one as well. Um, and then on Facebook, I started seeing all these brand new um, knee braces with like springs in them. And is, is any of this worth it? Like, am I doing something right? Or is it eh, just pay more attention? Like enhanced living? Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Rem- or it's like a reminder for you. Well, obviously important for you yeah. to um, reach a goal. I mean, if it's helping you to reach a goal, yeah. If it's helping you to remind yourself to have better posture, uh, I think that's terrific. Okay. Um, I don't know exactly. I could probably use it myself. Actually, um, <laughs> maybe but, sit up straighter. Yeah, as you mentioned yeah. That. yeah. I, um, to be reminded. I, I, you know, there's so much going on in that field too. That's definitely not something I'm like up on. Okay. Um, in terms of that, but um, it seems like yeah, we're like kind of like exoskeleton cyborgs, right? You know? Right? <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. yeah, I don't. That I have not spent a lot of time with the advances in that area. Okay. Well, it seems like it, it's happening super fast, it and, is. and yeah, there's not a whole lot of study mm-hmm. with it. Yet. Right. Right. There's a lot out there to practice with and figure out. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Well, yeah. maybe we can revisit that one. At I've some seen point. it, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do a little thinking about that. And, yeah, okay. Well, that awesome. Well, again, thank you for being here. This is awesome. Uh, thank Jan, you, Jason. Thank you again. Yeah. Oh, grateful for you um, taping today's mm-hmm. podcast. And I want to mention with the talk about the high tech devices, I heard a quote this week by Dr. Gary Welts, a, a local physician that's been practicing, I think, thirty um, something years. He talked about the best outcomes come when you marry high tech with high touch, like these technical devices can probably can be doing EKG soon where, you know, with telemedicine and telehealth, where we may not have to go into you if if we're a patient, you can monitor us remotely, but it still takes that doctor's touch. You you have to have that relationship where the patient opens up to the doctor and, and participates in their own health. I think something happens in those four, you know, in those little four walls when you close the door, mm-hmm. where it's just, uh, it's just a trust, um, yeah. and it's a, it's a special experience. I think, you know, between the the patient and doctor that that right. really, I think, uh, focuses focuses the doctor and and really connects. You have that um, um, development of a bond mm-hmm. there because these devices will never. I, I don't think they'll ever be able to pick up on some of the emotional reasons behind some of our behavior. So I just, I love that quote because we've been hearing so much about artificial right. intelligence and oh, but technology, yeah. but you still need the person, yeah. the, but the I caring think, physician. I think, as we, I think the technology is going to allow us mm-hmm. to dive deeper into the science and mm-hmm. take care of some of the things that we know are tried and true. Okay, we know where blood pressure needs to be. We are aware of, you know, what, you know, the heart rate. We can set these goals for patients and hand some of that off to them. Mm-hmm. And then, and then that allows us to even have more time to dive into these other areas with them and um, and and use that time in the office to get even further you know right. with the patient so I, th- I think it's all terrific I love the merger of technology and mm-hmm. science and um, some of the new um, even the, you know the eastern modalities are um, coming into more favor they're being more proven which is really mm-hmm. fun and as you've mentioned uh, before our podcast began a lot of the best um, Health techniques, I mean, some of it is just tried and true wisdom from a long time ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the cod liver oil, you know, they knew way back when that vitamin D was important. <laughs> That's something. Well, I look forward to future podcasts with you, Dr. Kelly Cobb. Thank you for your support of Nourish Your Health at Every Age. I'm very grateful to have you sitting here mm-hmm. and a part of this. And Jason Sikor and Raider Solutions, um, I want to mention that Raider Solutions is a big supporter of my work in the podcast industry. And uh, they're an IT company that can handle just about any IT needs you have and set up phone systems. And you need to find out more about them, you can go to RaiderSolutions.com. Thank you so much for listening to this inaugural episode of Nourish Your Health at Every Age. This is Jan Swift. Thank you to all. 